0: All right, welcome, welcome, welcome back everyone to the 20% podcast with Janae and
1: John Moore.
0: And today we have another special guest, Mr. Jonathan Molino from Louisiana, who's really not from Louisiana. <laughs> <laughs> but um, today we're going to be talking about a few different things, um, his upbringing and his career choices and just being a millennial in the field and everything like that. So we have some good questions set up for Jonathan today. And Jonathan, we are going to go right into it. So, um why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your upbringing, and what actually led you to wanting to become a biologist?
2: Yeah, thanks, Janae, and I'm really excited to be on this podcast. Um, So a little bit about what kind of led me into the current field that I'm in right now. Um, I um, am a son of a uh, uh, park service ranger. Um, She was one of the first uh, black female park service managers um, in in the DMV area. Um, And um, she's pretty much my main inspiration for how I kind of got into just nature in general and uh, wanting to explore nature and be around it. Um, she was uh, a park manager for um, uh, Oxen Hill uh, National Park. Uh, so it's um, a um, historical farm, actually, um, that's located uh, right outside the National Harbor. Um, and uh when i was growing up um at the time um it was that all the national harbor stuff wasn't really there and it was um kind of in the middle of 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 nowhere kind of at that time Mm -hmm. i mean it was right outside (laughs) outside of dc but it was still um not a lot was going around in that area um yeah but um they they've really started to kind of develop in that area but um during like the summers, I would pretty much just be at that farm, um, you know, uh, throughout the day, uh, my mom would, uh, bring me there and I'd kind of just, um, just be around farm life all day. I'd be milking cows, chasing chickens. Um, it it was like, it was my, like a kid's dream, I think. Um, but that really got me into just nature in general. And I'd be walking the, the park trails and, you know, um, helping my mom do park programs, um, about farm life and, you know, uh, the different, you know, animals and, you know, teaching the, the, uh, school children, uh, with my mom, uh, when I was, um, when I was going out there. So that's kind of how I, I really got into just being around nature and that just really led to, you know, kind of a, a passion within me about, you know, wanting to protect and preserve it, um, and um, luckily, I was able to, to get a, um, an internship, actually, with the Park Service uh, when I was um, in college. Um, I applied and, and got a, a position with uh, Greenbelt National Park, which is uh, not that far outside of uh, the D.C. area. Um, a lot of people actually will go and stay there to camp um, because it's, like, it's really cheap. I mean, when I was working there, it was like $16 a night to camp um so uh, a lot of people you know especially outside the DC area would would kind of go there um and and camp uh during the night and then go into DC during the day um so th- that was kind of uh my first experience um at a, at a uh w- within the federal government um in, in a in a field uh within science cuz i it was essentially it was a, a park guide position where i give People tours of the park, tell them about the nature inside of it, um, and um, eventually I got a position with uh, um, another national park outside of DC, uh, Kennebworth Aquatic Gardens, um, and that really kind of helped um, expand my uh, interest in you know fisheries and uh, fisheries management because um, uh, it was uh, it, it, it's a, a a wetland essentially. Um, one of the only mm-hmm. kind of wetland parks or national parks uh, like that's outside of DC. It's, it's a kind of a rare thing. You wouldn't think there's like a a wetland park right outside the nation's capital, but um, there is. And it's, it's one of the only parks, or uh, one of the only national parks that um, uh, cultivates water lilies and lotuses. So that was actually pretty, pretty cool too, to, to get, to see how the, 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 um, the um, maintenance staff you know they uh, cultivated the water lilies and you know just the the um, you know the biodiversity in the area was so rich um, and you wouldn't really think that you know being kind of in a very urban area um, but you know it's just right outside of folks's backyard um, so it it really kind of got me into that and then um, while I was working there, I actually got a, a position, or I, I I started up a master's program, and um, that's kind of what led me into um, um, finding out a job, finding out about uh, a contracting opportunity with NOAA Fisheries. Um, so that's kind of, in a nutshell, my my journey into into <laughs> NOAA.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's been yeah. awesome you know, learning about everybody's different journey and yeah, know right? no two are the same whatsoever. But I can definitely relate on you about because I grew up in the country. So on a farm mm-hmm. and being out in the middle of nowhere. I know a lot about the middle of nowhere being from Mississippi. Yeah. Janae can't relate, she from the city. Okay. <laughs> but it's good to hear. It's good to hear like when I move to DC, whenever I move to DC in a few months, that you know I can be in, you know, a, a rural environment and going out to national parks and everything like right. that. So that is really cool. What, what college did you go to? Um,
2: so for undergrad, I went to St. Edward's university. Um, so St. Edward's university is a small, uh, it's, it's a small Catholic college that's um, in Austin, Texas. Um, it's right next wow. to the university of Texas. Um, and actually I, I didn't, I didn't actually study. Um, I did like my major was not biology um, during my, my undergrad. I actually studied global science, uh, or, or not global studies, um, during my, my time. And, uh, but I, I minored in environmental science. So I was always kind of like, I had my foot in the door when it came to sciences. Um, mm-hmm. I actually, I took a course, uh, on environmental law and I learned a lot about the endangered species act, uh, which is currently what I, I work primarily on. So that kind of, uh, fueled a lot of my interest, um, in, In wanting to pursue, um, you know, a a career in environmental science as well as, um, um, you know, kind of regulatory sciences as well.
0: What's your favorite animal? Um, Right now,
2: I'd probably say uh, the southern resident killer whale. So it's one of the. (laughs) I don't even know. So it's a it's a very rare um, endangered uh, population of killer whales um, that are. Uh, mainly located off of the, um, the coast of Washington. Um, the, well, it's, they, they kind of migrate from Washington to British Columbia, and they, they even go all the way up to Alaska sometimes, but um, they're very rare. There's like less than 80 individuals in their entire population. Um, they, they only eat um, or they, they primarily eat uh, Chinook salmon, but they really only only eat salmon, and um, there's been a lot of issues with salmon populations yeah. Um, yeah. off the coast yeah. of Washington and mm-hmm. in that area. So, <laughs> um, but oh. it, I, I've I've done a lot of projects on that species, so that's kind of I'd say why I'd, I'd say it's one of my favorites.
0: That's good, Jonathan, because you know we need people that care about the animals. Because yeah. I scream. At <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, that that's really cool. So so you said, you know, the decrease in salmon population is uh one of the reasons that you know the numbers are Yeah, increasing. uh
2: that that's what that's their main primary food source. So um, you know, other Yeah, you other killer ahead. whale populations, you know, they they're able to feed on, you know, marine mammals, like seals, sea lion right, you know, they right. they can they have other food sources, but You know this one population they're very they're very picky eaters so that's why their 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 populations have been declining but you know we're our our job um you know in in, no fisheries uh specifically working on section seven consultations you know our job is is to um you know protect these species especially when you know federal government agencies want to do projects that can potentially harm or harass these species um, it's kind of our job, yeah. you know, really to to um, assess what these um, what these federal agencies are doing and making sure that they're they're not going to be putting our species in jeopardy.
1: Awesome. Wow. Yeah, you covered a lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. in first yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at the next question like, wow, he covered <laughs> everything. Right. I'm <laughs> a lot.
0: Because
1: yeah, we usually, you know, we focus on this podcast. We're two meteorologists, so we're meteorology focused. We focus on the National Weather Service right. and, you know, meteorology with a lot of our guests. But, you know, the hearing different perspectives, yeah. you know, talking about, I love animals. Exactly. Even though I don't like too much to, you know, be around them, I love learning about them and watching <laughs> the Discovery Channel. And, you know, because yeah, I believe, you know,
0: they hold, they,
1: animals hold all the keys to, you know, right. helping us in a lot of ways. I just need to know what the- <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, I guess.
0: Yeah, Um, like John said, you covered a lot now. We should have been looking through the questions, (laughs) trying to figure out uh, what to talk about. But I guess we could shift it um, just a little bit going back to um, you being a student. Like John said, he and I are meteorologists. So, most of the time, we're talking about uh, NWS Life and dealing with meteorologists. Um, But uh, can you talk a little bit about, you know, being a previous biology student and uh, what were some of the things that you wish you had the opportunity to do or be exposed to as a um, biology student, a minority biology student?
2: Yeah, so um, uh, so after I graduated, um, you know, getting my, my uh, undergrad in um, global studies and environmental uh, science, um, the master's program that I actually ended up doing was a, a, a master's in environmental management. Um, you know, there were definitely a lot of biology courses. Biology was definitely um, included in, um, you know, a a majority of the coursework. Um, So I I think being in that, being in that, in that master's program was, was definitely, um, you know, it was definitely a a large, a huge learning curve that I had to do since, you know, my, my undergrad wasn't really in the physical uh, sciences. Um, You know, I, I, I did have the, the minor, but um, you know, it was definitely a, a large learning curve and trying to, you know, um, you know, get up to speed. Um, but it was, it was also really encouraging because, um, the program that I was in, it was an online degree program and, um, it was, um, it, it you know, there was a, a very, I think it was very diverse, uh, which was, which was kind of unique, I think, um, because, um, you know, obviously the field that I'm in where I currently work is not very diverse, but, um, my, my, my classmates, I feel were very diverse and I am glad I had to, I am glad I got to have that opportunity, even though we weren't necessarily like face to face, um, you know, we, we had mm-hmm. pictures of one another. Sometimes we did video chats. Um, so it was actually really nice and it kind of gave me a, a good community. Um, I mean, I'm still friends with like a lot of these folks on Facebook. I keep up with them. Um, I'm friends with them on LinkedIn. Um, just seeing kind of where they've been going. A lot of them are, you know, they're, they're fighting. What one of my friends right now, he's working on, you know, combating COVID uh right now. He's like a he's a wow. research scientist um doing that. So um, it, it's really cool to just keep up with them and see kind of what they're, what they're currently up to right now. Um, you know, I, I wish I, I actually had tried to get some of them um, to apply to, to, to Noah fisheries, fisheries um, fisheries and, and one actually yeah. ended up doing it. Unfortunately, he didn't, um, he didn't, he um, didn't ever get a callback or anything, but um, it was, it, it was good to have kind of that community. And, you know, I, I will, you know, always, you know, kind of keep up with them and, hopefully you know uh, you know i i think they're you know going to do great in their careers and i want to you know kind of um you know keep pushing and you know the the sky's the limit i i hope we all do do great in our our um our respective careers yeah
1: and one thing you talked about was uh you know the diversity of your uh mm-hmm. of your graduate program and the lack of diversity mm-hmm. in fisheries what are some challenges that, you know, you face due to the lack of diversity? And, and no um,
2: I, I'd say that um, one of the biggest challenges um, in general is just, uh, it, it's just, you know, getting more outreach. Um, you know, a lot of the, the most, the majority of diversity that we have kind of like in my office right now is, uh, you know, is, is in our admin fields um i don't i don't yeah. necessarily know you know why we can't we, we're not you know really tapping into you know hbcus um other minority serving institutions as much you know it would be and and honestly i i you know take that as a challenge i i want to start doing that i want to start building those connections because historically we have not done it um and Exactly. And it's it's time for us mm-hmm. to really get those connections connections going. Um, you know, I'm 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 reaching out to um, uh, folks within our uh, um, cooperative science centers, uh, making sure that we're we're kind of starting those pipelines into um, into our our office. Um,
1: yeah. Yeah. and I remember a while back, you know, you know, Jackson State talked about. Talk to us about, you know, starting or building a relationship with North Fisheries. So we definitely gotta get you, you know in contact with them. But right. you you definitely have the right idea. It all starts with, you know, the recruitment. But right. once we recruit, you know, and, and and start diversifying the agency, we gotta make sure that have to retain, to retain <laughs> and make sure they have purpose. Right. As, you know, millennials, <laughs> we you know have to have purpose and we have to have uh feel like we're making a difference in mm-hmm. any job that we okay. work. So yeah, that's good to hear. So here's a quick question for you. Uh, we're in the Weather Service, Janae. You know a lot about NOAA Fisheries, because <laughs> I, cause I no. you're the only person that I know who works in NOAA Fisheries. So, yeah. and you know, a short in a few minutes, tell us what NOAA Fisheries actually does. Yeah, um, yeah, so
2: essentially, we're kind of we we have we have a lot of different facets within our agency. Um, You know, I primarily work uh, within our Office of Protected, or I work within our Office of Protected Resources, and we primarily work on the conservation of endangered threatened species, Um, also the protection of, um, you know, marine mammals, sea turtles, Um, you know, we we deal with um, uh, protected species that are ended up stranded. Um, But, you know, if, if, for instance, you know, we have uh, we coordinate stranding networks within our office, Um, uh, Mm -hmm. other other offices like sustainable fisheries, you know, they they work on kind of uh, making sure that, uh, you know, the, you know, like food, like fisheries, when it comes to like, you know, food, putting food on the table is regulated in a a manner that is um, uh, sustainable. Um, Also, uh, we have an Office of Science and Technology. Uh, What they do is they work on a lot of our like stock assessment reports, getting data on, you know, population numbers for different um, protected species. Um, So we can kind of have that for our, for for our regulatory purposes, when we want to conduct consultations with different federal agencies to make sure that they're not going to be uh, jeopardizing our species, which is essentially is making it go extinct. Um, so having that that data is crucial. Um, you know, if we don't if we don't know how many numbers are in a specific population, we can't really make a good judgment call on whether or not a specific activity is going to um, make a species go extinct or not. So uh, we kind of we we're, we're all interconnected in what we do, um, and you know. And that just means that we need to have we 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 can't really work in um you know we can't really work in silos we have to be connected we have to be collaborative, um, right. so the importance right. of our you know program offices connecting with one another is is key and I think a lot of that is a a lot of that can be cultivated through these diversity and inclusion working groups because. I, I think John, um, you know, John Moore, we were talking earlier today. I don't think a lot of us really don't know exactly what we're doing in NOAA until, or we hadn't known until we joined this group. And now we know a lot. So, exactly. Um, I think diversity and inclusion can really kind of cultivate um, not just, you know, a more diverse workforce, but also a more collaborative workforce. Yeah,
1: definitely, definitely, definitely.
0: Uh- I guess we can kind of go ahead and wrap it up about the 25 minute mark.
1: Yeah. But you know, if you, if you have one thing you want to, you know, say to DPA, what would it be? We always kind of close on that.
2: um, So I, I kind of, I mentioned this actually in the the, uh, Google form that you sent out earlier today, John, but you know, I think that we have in, and Bankita really been been, uh, honing on this a lot too is, and catalina you know we we have a, a really good window of opportunity at this time where we can um, push a lot of different initiatives within our agency um, you know so I think that is that's key right now and if 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 um, if if you know if, if there are initiatives that we've thought about in the past, I think now is the time to really really um, you know, do them, I, you know, DPA has done a lot already, but, um, you know, with, with the new administration coming in and, you know, kind of a more, um, you know, uh, uh, a friendlier, I guess, atmosphere when it comes to diversity and inclusion, we, we should really kind of use that um, to, um, uh, we should really use that to kind of um, harness a lot of the power that we can, we can, um, uh, we can, we can use. So, you know, I think that there's really? this is the time right now, and you know the next over the next four years or however many years this administration will 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 be, um, in place. You know I think we can really do a lot of uh, positive change. So
0: what you're saying is, yeah, you work. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that's it's that's that's a call that's
2: that's for myself too. I need to light a fire under myself so. <laughs>
1: I don't think anybody <laughs> can get more fired up than you, John. You've done a, a great you. job I'm as the executive secretariat of DPA. So, yeah, I think everybody knows that, if, you know, we get, you're, you've been, you know, instrumental in the success thank of you. holding everything together okay, over the last, since you've been executive secretariat. So we definitely want to thank you for that. <laughs> right. And I'm just waiting to see, you know, what this transitions into with the new, no Team coming in with the new leadership coming in. Yeah. I feel like we were getting like a, a ton of bricks mm-hmm. off of our back and <laughs> finally gonna have some freedom. And
2: I, uh, yeah, we'll see.
0: i wait. <laughs> yeah. wait till they get in here yeah. so to see. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but see? yeah so um, we thank you so much, Jonathan, for hopping on with us today and taking the time out your day for, to talk to us uh, about this. We really appreciate it. Like John said, Thank you for all that you have done thus far for DPA yep. and what you will continue to do. Um,
1: and I'll put you on the spot here: Who do you want to hear on the twenty uh, percent podcast uh, hmm. next?
2: Have y'all had Have y'all had Catalina go on yet?
1: <laughs> Who I'm sorry, cut out with me. Who was? Have
2: you Have you all had Catalina on yet? We have,
1: but I- that's. a yeah.
2: I, what, you said you haven't or we have? No, we haven't.
0: Okay. I yeah. Carolina. I, yeah.
2: I think Catalina has like, uh, like whenever I listen to her speak, I always feel like she has like a lot of great ideas, especially when it comes to like the whole, you know, power of ERGs. I would like to like li- hear more about that yeah. Um. because yeah, that's kind of all connected to where I was saying, you know, we, we have this window of opportunity now. So um, you know, she, I think she has a lot of ideas on that and it would be kind of good to hear her her uh opinions on that. Um and Catalina, if you're listening to this, not putting you on the spot, but like, just
1: <laughs> but yeah, you know, hear from her too, and I can definitely understand why, you know, mm-hmm. Catalina. Mm-hmm. So we'll definitely work to get Catalina on there. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, Jonathan. You
2: Jonathan. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, John. Thank you, Janae. All
0: right. No thank you.
1: Have a good one. A good one. All right. And that was the 20% podcast featuring John, Janae, and Jonathan. So thank you guys for listening. J,
0: J, J. Yeah. All right.
1: And we'll be back next time, hopefully with Catalina. Right.
0: Hopefully with Catalina. <laughs> All
1: right. Thank you, guys.